0: pause your word counts, and enjoy.
1: Hey, everyone. We have a very special guest today, Karina Lee Cone. Welcome, Karina. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Yes, I'm so
2: excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do now and how you got started in publishing? So right now, I'm an editorial
2: assistant at Henry Holt Books for Young Readers at Mac Kids. Prior to that, I was an editorial intern on the adult side, also at Macmillan. I knew I always wanted to work in publishing. I've always loved reading books and I knew I wanted to be involved with them somehow. So really throughout college, I was just applying to internships and hoping that I snagged one. And I was finally able to when things went remote back in 2019. So I think that's been a positive in that with things moving remote, I was able to snag an internship more quickly with that opportunity.
0: Yeah, I love that. Can I ask another question about that? So Mm -hmm. you're in Austin, you're trying to break into publishing, and then the pandemic hits and all these opportunities go online. Mm -hmm. How did that feel? Did you feel like you were enveloped by the publishing world, or did you feel like you were only hitting a small part of it due to the remoteness of the job?
2: I think it definitely felt like I was only hitting a small part of it. A lot of the colleagues and former interns that I was working with They had already had past internships in New York City, so already had a feel for the environment and how the office worked and who to go to for what. So I think I really missed out on just like that casual learning that happens in the day-to-day life where you're just watching people go about their business. What I did to counteract that and try to get myself more involved, both as I was trying to get the internship, in the internship, and even now, is just really take advantage of any Twitter (laughs) call-outs for like. Discord groups or like social Zoom gatherings of people that are new to the industry. So I've tried to make a lot of friendships that way. And I've just like really taken advantage of Zoom happy hours.
0: I think it's amazing how we all adapt, regardless yeah. of what's happening around us. We all adapt and we learn where we're at. And I'm so glad this worked out for you. Yeah, so my Thank you.
1: <laughs> so could you talk a little bit about the books that you work on and what you hope your list will be in the near future?
2: I really love YA. I love realistic fantasy. just grounded fantasy. I love romance with lots of angst, which I know some people don't like too much angst. They like the romance more. And I really like books that deal with a lot of social themes, particularly mental health. And I think I really am hoping to acquire a lot of authors of color, particularly picture books that really celebrate the joy of being a person of color.
3: What do you do when you're not working? So luckily, my bosses
2: are really good about managing my workload and their own. So they're really considerate about my time. So I don't really feel that overwhelmed too much. But when I do get overwhelmed, I really rely on the hobbies that I have. So I love listening to true crime podcasts. and I'm always up for recommendations for those because I'm trying to branch out to more. I love watching movies and just trash TV, I guess I would call it. It just relieves the mind of thinking critically about books. And I have two tiny little dogs that love to go out for walks.
1: Can you tell us some of your favorite true crime podcasts and favorite movies and shows?
2: Yes. So my favorite true crime podcast is My Favorite Murder which is one of the more popular ones. And then the other one that I really like is Killer Queens. It's basically like 80s themed. They always make 80s references and I think that's awesome. One of my favorite movies is actually Burlesque with Christina Aguilera. It's just like a comfort watch for me. And one of my favorite TV shows, right now I'm watching Narcos, but I really love The Mandalorian, All-American and Gossip Girl.
3: I definitely second burlesque as a comfort watch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I 100% do the exact same thing. I will put it in the background and Christina Aguilera sing me through my day. (laughs) Um, So I totally get that.
0: What would you do in an alternative universe with no publishing and
3: with
2: no books? That's really bleak. I don't know. Part of the reason I love working with children's books is because of the nature of the content and the kinds of discussions that we have on our end about. Like fostering their curiosity and their talents and their hearts. So probably a teacher. I think I would just want to be around that joy
0: all the time. I love that. It's so much fun. And it's so much fun when you read with kids and they Mm -hmm. lean into you and you can feel (laughs) their weight. You can feel their energy shift with a book. And I think that's the power of children's literature is that it can change kids' rhythms and minds and behavior and energy for the moment. And that's what's so special about it.
2: Absolutely. Growing up, I remember we would have designated library time to go check out a book. So we would walk to the library in our single file line. I remember all of us would hold our breaths the whole way to the library. We would just cross our fingers that there was someone sitting in the reading corner. So that way that day they could read the book of choice. And yeah, I think those are just such good memories for me.
1: That's so sweet. Yeah. So I know it's not been that long, but what's something you've changed your mind about during your time in the industry? Or another way of asking that is, did you imagine things going a certain way and then publishing totally does it a different way?
2: I guess what would surprise me is probably one of the more common answers is that there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes besides just reading books. Like you just imagine if you're not in the industry yet, especially on the editorial side and as an assistant. So it's just a lot of back-end filing and
1: mailings
2: and payments and things like that. So I think that's something, and it's not necessarily bad. It's just a different balance. And I think you have to come knowing that exists and asking yourself if that's the kind of job that you want, if you can accept that balance. So I think... That's something that I didn't expect, but I've welcomed.
1: I love how people often think that we're just like in this really nice plush chair and we've got these mm-hmm. manuscripts and this steaming <laughs> cup of tea and maybe a really nice fluffy cat. <laughs> and that's what the yes. day is like. <laughs> Stop ruining it for us, Jessica. <laughs> <But> <laughs> we I can dream.
0: That if It still feels like that. Uh, oh my gosh. Tell us about an aha moment when everything came together. My aha moment was we basically have this meeting
2: that really fosters a lot of creativity in our immediate staff. And we're really encouraged to bring forward any ideas we have. And as an assistant, especially being an intern for so long at Macmillan, I think I put myself in a position of like not speaking up and just being a sponge. So I had to have been maybe my like third or fourth meeting to one of these like creative meetings and I had the buddings of this small idea just from my own experiences as being Hispanic. And I thought that it would make a really good picture book and it fit into the theme of the discussion we were talking about. And so I brought it up and everyone was really welcoming of it. And so I think my aha moment was that if I speak up, it can be received. I'm in this position for a reason. They saw something in myself that maybe I didn't see in myself. So I put in the work, I wrote a pitch and everything like that. I even took it to an acquisitions meeting and it was accepted. So we're chugging along with that. And I can't speak to it just because it's an IP idea that we're still working on. But I think that was like my first moment where I kind of shook myself and just said that I made it.
0: That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, It just shows that Different points of view, different ages, different backgrounds—all these things in publishing are so incredibly important, and it builds content that we all need. So, congratulations! That sounds amazing. Thank you so much.
1: Will you tell us when it's announced?
0: Yeah, I will. That'd be so fun. I, believe me, I will be
2: shouting it from the rooftops.
1: That's so exciting! Wait, so you came to this meeting, you're like, "Hey guys, you should totally write this book." Here's the idea, and they said yes, and then you wrote a formal pitch, and then they decided to do it. And soon it will be an actual physical book because you had an idea and a meaning.
2: Yes. With the help of one of my managers, Brian Geffen, he's super supportive and just like guiding me through the process because like I said before, I actually haven't built my own list yet. So I haven't been through the process of editing a book. So he was just really helpful in guiding me through everything. But yeah, soon it will be a book.
1: (laughs) What other cool stuff happens at your office?
2: I actually really love our team. They're so supportive and just fun. Our meetings usually go like 30 minutes over just because we spend the first 30 chatting.
1: That's really nice. I bet a lot of people out there are curious. Can you tell us anything about what those meetings are like? Quite a few of us are in
2: New York or Brooklyn, but there's one of us in California, actually. She's another editorial assistant and then I'm in Texas. So we're all over the place. And yeah, I think like We have our general staff meeting, but I think the funnest meeting is the one I was talking about where it's our creative meeting. Basically, we just have a theme for each time we meet and we bring ideas forth based on that theme and we just bounce ideas off of each other.
1: That's very cool. I like that. This
3: question is not on the list of questions, but it was more about the idea that you presented, Karina. I know you can't say too much, I know. But if you can say this, does it have a Latinx character at all? Yes. So
2: the whole premise was taking a concept that's been done before, but instead bringing Latinx characters to the forefront of that specific setting. And we do intend on it being a series. So we intend on exploring like different kinds of Latinx cultures and individuals and families. That was our intention with that series.
3: That is awesome. That's what I was looking for. I was like, please say. Yes. (laughs) Let mixed characters because so many times we hear, oh, you know, that trope is done. We can't do it anymore. It doesn't work, but it hasn't been done through other BIPOC backgrounds. That's put a whole new spin because we're different people. Our communities work differently. So I think it's awesome that you did that. I can't wait to hear more about it. I'm so excited. Thank you. You've like relit the fire under me, this whole conversation.
2: (laughs) So that's so good to hear.
0: What do you wish writers knew from your side of the desk?
2: Publishing can be so intimidating for us trying to break into it, but also for writers trying to succeed within it. A huge part for me, just reading queries and working with authors, I think is that personality is more important than anything. It can be so intimidating for authors to present this piece of work with their agents that has so much of their passion and hard work into it. But when I'm reading a query, I really enjoy the parts where I learn more about the author and why this story is important to them and why they wrote it. So I think if that can really shine through, that's what hooks me more than anything. So I feel like that's important for writers to know.
1: I love that. I think that shows a level of caring that a lot of people don't know people in publishing have.
2: Yeah, definitely. Because it's tough like getting rejections and just going through the whole querying process of waiting with something that so much of your heart is put into. But I think that's the most important thing, like just knowing that someone out there sees you and appreciates the work that you're putting in.
1: And I think that's pretty common. I don't think anyone goes into publishing because they don't care about writers.
0: Mm -hmm. We talk about alignment and it sounds like being open to going through the process and knowing that someone like Karina is there can be really hopeful for a lot of writers. Can you give them any tips, Karina? I think my biggest tip as an editor, imagining
2: what it would be like to be staring at the blank page and sitting down and ready to write would be to set reasonable goals and be super kind with yourself. Don't expect to just write out the whole manuscript in one sitting and expect to send it in and it'd be a New York Times bestseller or anything like that. I think it's just setting reasonable goals for when you can write, how much you can write, and just going and knowing that it's going to be the first draft and the first draft doesn't have to be perfect. I think that's probably like my best tip.
1: That's true. So many writers put so much pressure on themselves. And if it doesn't work right away, they're like, oh, I guess I'm not good at this. No, Mm -hmm. it takes time.
2: Yeah, all of the books that we've been working on, there's so many passes that go into what a book becomes when it's on the shelf. Even the most seasoned writers, we have some polishing to be done and there's nothing wrong with that. Brian always says that it really just speaks to a writer's creativity, that they get whisked away into the story and it's our job to just tidy
3: it up.
1: Yeah, I like that. And I think it's good to hear that even the more seasoned writers, we see this all the time. It doesn't matter if you've had a bunch of New York Times bestsellers, like your editor will still have something to change. Could you tell us a cool story about something that happened at work?
2: I guess the coolest story would be getting to sit in on meetings with celebrities whose books that we've been working on. What are they like? Are they what you expected? They're just people. And I think what makes it more casual is the fact that we're all sitting on the zoom talking about the same thing with the same goal so it's not really a setting for fawning over them if that makes sense like we're all working towards making this book as best as it can be I was um, just
0: thinking even a celebrity gets edited like everybody else yes <laughs> you know yeah I mean that the process is the same and for them we see them in their polished form. And so I think it must be very much like practicing for a role or working towards a role. And then having that polished work is because of production. It's really interesting. Yes.
1: Have you seen things come into your office and then look totally different after the editing process?
2: Yeah, it definitely happens all the time. I think even the timeline of events in a story could change just to help the pacing and help the reveal of information and things like that. That's what occurs most often because all the ideas are there. It's just a matter of, like I said, fine tuning it and working it to
0: be the best story that it can be. Tell us what your superhero power would be.
2: My superpower, (laughs) I have this answer always ready just because I know exactly what it would be. And it's not that common an answer. But my superpower would be to never sweat, no matter how hot it is. And that's me coming from Texas.
0: Oh my gosh, if you move to Maine, you wouldn't sweat that much.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and it's completely going to be irrelevant eventually when I move.
3: But yes, for now,
2: that's what it is.
3: Eventually, I'm sure it'll be to never be cold. I want that superpower so bad right now. When you said (laughs) that, I'm sitting here with my mouth open. I'm like, how did this never cross my mind as a possible (laughs) superpower? That is a good one. It's a good one. Well,
0: it'd certainly be helpful in presentations, in meetings. (laughs) (laughs) Yes,
2: I definitely get like nervous sweats.
0: Yes.
1: Could you talk a little about your editorial style? Like, how do you like to give notes? What's the most interesting to you? And I know everyone thinks the editors are scary.
2: So I always pay really close attention to the query. I think that's really important for just setting expectations and also learning more about the writer. Like I said, I really enjoy those small tidbits of information that tell me why this particular story is important to an author and what parts of themselves are in it. It really helps me to connect with them, which is my favorite part of having editorial conversations with an author. I used to work at a writing center in college. And I think part of the reason why I decided on editorial as a department was because of the relationships that you foster one-on-one working on something like this. There's just a lot of trust and encouragement that happens in those kinds of meetings. So same thing with me and my editorial style. In those meetings, I really focus first and foremost on getting to know each other and like breaking down those walls of us just being two humans meeting together. And then my second thing is to always ask what they're most concerned about. Because I can go on and on talking about what I think would help make it better, what I think is great. But I want to make sure that their needs are being addressed so that they feel like the session is the most useful. So I'll ask what they're most concerned about, and then they'll go through their list. And I make sure to get those all crossed off and taken care of so that they feel like they get the most out of it. Because like I said, those meetings with one another is between two people, but I'm coming from a place where maybe I know a little bit more and I can give them something to work with. So I want to make sure that they're happy and that they feel like they can move forward and they get that same feeling from the relationship that I always get, which is just having someone to ask questions to, and basically having a fan
0: on the sidelines for them. That's really nice. Yeah. And I love how you're open to the magic of the conversation. I think that came up a lot in this podcast, the idea that when you sit down with someone else as a creative, cool things happen. And that's really what I get out of our conversation that just through being together you might see it differently and or it might activate something else all while working on the work in front of you.
2: Definitely. And I think it's just a trend maybe with like how my work is set up, like how our team has these big discussions of creativity or just like my personal experiences. But great things happen when you just bring more people to the table, people of all kinds. And I think you just have to open up that door and open up that conversation. Otherwise things don't really get anywhere or they just stay where they have been.
1: Do you have any tips for people who want to work in publishing and now realize they can since so much of it is remote?
2: Yeah, I think with everyone being more open to Zoom calls and that accessibility, informational interviews are my biggest thing. That's how I got all of my interviews. And I don't know if it's why I got this position, but I'm going to attribute it to that. I basically just hounded the whole entire team for informational interviews when I was an intern. And I think that's how they got familiar with my name. And vice versa, I really took advantage of my internship on the adult side by just setting up informational interviews with as many people in that department as I could. Even if I wasn't working there and if I was still trying to break in, I think I would try finding other people at different houses with LinkedIn or with Twitter or whatever your social media choice is. So I think the more people that know you and know what you like and who you are and what you can bring to the table... Can open more doors for you.
1: I love that. Can you, obviously you did this the right way. You weren't like, hi, dear sir, madam, spend an hour yeah. with me. Thanks. Yes. <laughs> can you um, talk a little bit how you went about it?
2: Yes. I think like my email template, hello, my name is, I'm currently a, and then I think I was in a position at the time. So I said what I was doing. Um, then I said, This is what I would like to be doing. I'm really interested in your particular imprint or your particular department. I enjoy these books that you've worked on. If you have time, do you think we could set up an informational interview? I'd love to learn more about so-and-so. My focus was really to try not to like sound expectant of anything and just be really respectful of their time. But honestly, I don't even ever think I got a no. And I think everyone in publishing knows how difficult it is to get in. So I think everyone is really open and warm to the idea of helping people get to the same spot.
1: I'm so happy. And I think that people underestimate the power of personalization. That you talked about what books they liked lets them know that you're a serious and you've put time into it. And you're not just copy pasting the same exact letter to everyone, which people mm-hmm. do. But that's incredible. I'm so happy everyone said yes.
2: Thanks. And that's what I
1: try to tell. because.
2: Sometimes interns will ask me for informational interviews too. And that's what I just let them know. Just do it. Reach out to them. Who cares? The worst thing that they could say is no, or they could just never answer, which means they probably just got lost at the bottom of their really full inbox. But the best thing that could happen is they could say yes, and then you could get a job in a few months. So sounds like a pretty good (laughs) trade-off.
1: Yeah. And it's not like anyone's going to be like, no, never write to me again.
2: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There's no magic list somewhere that's like the blacklist for never hiring because you emailed them once. That doesn't
0: exist. So Karina, you are in faculty. Tell us what you'd be open to having meetings on genre wise.
2: I love anything middle grade and YA. I'm really interested in realistic fiction or in grounded fantasy. But across the board, I'm really open to anything. I think what's most important for me is that there's heart at the center of the story in characters. So I like when they're super whip-smart protagonists. And they have a lot of personality or their families are a big center of the book or there's really big social themes in there. I think that's what really drives me more so than like particular genre.
1: Thank you so much, Karina. Where can everyone find you online? I am on Twitter and it's my last
2: name and then my first name. So it's L-I-C-O-N-C-A-R-I-N-A.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you. It was so wonderful doing this. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform.
1: We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to
0: offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.